Well, back in 1998, I was writing my master's thesis and it took me at least two years to start it. It was so hard for me to start. I just had this block. I just didn't know how to begin. And then a year later, I thought I'd come to the conclusion of this thesis. I got ready to submit it. And one professor sends it back and says, I'm not gonna sign off on this because you don't have any conclusions. You didn't finish well. I had to write another 35 pages of my conclusions. The art of closure, it's really important. I mean, a salesperson gets it when they're making that pitch. They've got to close the deal. A lawyer gets it when they've been in that, involved in that grueling two-week-long, two-month-long you know, court case and they're trying to give their closing arguments. A touring musician gets it. They do that concert. They pour their hearts out and they think, are they going to get an encore? Are people just going to walk out? Are they going to buy my product? People going on a first date even get it. They walk to that front porch to the light and they're going to say goodbye to each other. Is it just going to be a handshake? Is it going to be slapping a high five, a hug? Or is it going to be that first kiss that says, yeah, I want to pursue this relationship together. See, who and why determines the how and the significance of closure. And we're going to talk about that today. This prayer of closure, the Bible calls it benediction. It's a blessing. And it comes from two Latin words, which basically means to speak well. Now, if you're like me, I grew up in church, and if I heard the word benediction or saw it on the little worship folder, that meant it was time to gather my jacket and all my things, and we head out, you know, for lunch or whatever we were gonna do. It was very casual, you know, we just kinda, okay, we're done. Some people even left early. But you know, I think when we look in the Bible, we'll find that benediction has eternal significance for us, deep spiritual significance for us. So much so that Tim Keller said that when we hear the word benediction, it's all about our whole lives. We should see our lives flash before our eyes. That's powerful stuff. Now let me hit the pause button on that. I noticed something today as I was getting ready to come out here and share this message. I realized how many doorways and hallways I was walking down and how much my life was a process of just going in one place and coming out of another. Getting in the car, getting out of the car, going into the coffee shop, coming out of it, going to the store, coming out of it, going to work, coming out. It's, it was always about this motion of going in and going out. And I found out that really all of life is that way. We talk a lot about time and the rhythm of time and the seasons. But really, there's this, there's this rhythm of life of going in and going out. You know, and as I'm preparing for the message, of course, I started taking this you know, a little bit deeper spiritually, and I realized something. Worship is like that. It's about going in and going out. It's this hourglass-shaped thing where we gather, we, we hear the Word of God, we come to the table, that intimate moment, and then we're sent out. That's what worship is about. As a matter of fact, I realized that this is God's gospel story. It's about him drawing, out of our bond, drawing us out of our bondage and drawing us to himself and blessing us and then sending us out, shaping us and sending us out to do that again, that rhythm of going in and going out. Benediction, sending. You know, I've been looking a lot at um, all the imagery and all the stories that we're seeing in media and TV, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time elaborating on that. But I tell you, I just get knots if you're like me. I get sick to my stomach. I don't know what to do. And I see two forms of voice raising, screaming, if you will, crying out. 
Yes, I mean, we're challenged as a church right now through this Raising Your Voice series to raise our voices to God in prayer, to yell out, to cry out to God. But there's also another crying out that's going on in the world around us. I mean, on the surface, it's violent. It's angry, it's frustrated, it's fearful. I think people now more than ever feel the squeeze. They're hopeless, they're alone, they're hitting a wall, and they're reacting as any of us do when stressful situations arise. They're scared. I'm wondering maybe if there's this convergence that's happening. Now, I'm not saying that we're gonna start looking like the world or adopt the world's attitudes or their values. But in the past, it was always about which, which was gonna yell out louder, who was gonna be heard, the church or the world. It was these kingdoms in conflict. And I'm wondering, in the midst of all that is happening right now, and people are crying out for leadership and guidance and, and hope, that maybe this convergence is becoming an opportunity for us. Maybe there's been a divine appointment for us lying underneath and permeating this series about raising our voices. Now, let me recap where we've been. Remember, we began this whole series with Moses crying out to God, show me your glory. And with Hannah, Lord, remember me, hear my prayer, the prayer of petition. The boy Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We are listening, speak to us, God. King David, forgive me. Have mercy upon me, Lord God, creating me a clean heart. And now today, we're going to look at a picture in 1 Kings with Solomon and the nation of Israel when they cry out to God and they say, send us. It's about the art of benediction, a blessing, because really, benediction is a summary of all that we've studied so far. It's a, it's a culminating prayer, a blessing. It's supreme intercession. Let me show you something here real quick. What I have here is a piece of conduit, okay? Now, I'm not any home improvement expert, but I do have a son-in-law who's an electrician. He spends a lot of time running wire through these things. And basically, this is the way that they run wiring and, and the electrical flow through the house, through the structure that they're working on. I think that's a perfect picture of what I'm talking about here, the art of benediction, of blessing. We become conduits of God's blessing. We stand between God and the people we're praying for and we intercede for them. You know, John Piper said it best when he said that prayer is the splicing of our limp wire to the lightning bolt of heaven. Isn't that powerful thought? Isn't that powerful imagery? Being a conduit of God's blessing. Because we can't miss this point, folks. Blessing is what we're wired up for. We must get it, we must give it, and we can't live without it. It wouldn't take much time to see that Scripture is permeated with this prayer of blessing. At the very beginning, when God creates Adam and Eve, He blesses them, it says. And that blessing was actually a giving of a job description. I mean, he says, go, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, take care of it, rule over it, be stewards of it, enjoy it, participate with me in my creative work. And he sends them out with that blessing. Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, gathers his disciples and what does he do? He extends his hands 
and he blesses them. And then guess what he does? He sends them out with a commissioning, a calling. We'll be looking at that later in our message. Even at the end of Revelation, the Apostle John says that the Lord Jesus is coming soon and then he cries out, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, then turns to the bride of Christ, the readers, and says, the grace of the Lord be with you all. He ends with this benediction. We even see many places where the people blessed God. The ancient Jewish blessing does this. They begin with the words, Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Blessed art thou, Lord God, King of the universe. And what are they doing? They're recognizing him as the source of all blessing. All that we have, all that we hope to be, all that we are is from him and to him and for his purposes. This is the art of blessing. Now, let me ask you something. These short examples that I've given you of blessing and benediction in the Bible, are these just slogans? Are they just nice little social media posts? I mean, is blessing as we see it in the world today just this idea of giving good vibes to somebody or just a nice talk or just some flowery words and sentiment? I think it goes so much deeper than that. I mean, level one is this act of just speaking well over people. But I think the true prayer of intercession, the, the benediction that we are to give to people goes much deeper than that. So what I'm going to do is we're going to look at a passage in 1 Kings 8, a grand stadium style worship celebration that's being facilitated by King Solomon. And we're going to see an example of what it really means to pray a prayer of blessing over one another. Let's take a look. All right, let's jump into our passage here. We're gonna to go to 1 Kings 8. If you've got a Bible, you've got a device nearby, I want you to open up to that and find verses 54 through 61. This is Solomon's benediction. Now I'm going to set the scene here in just a moment, but what I'm going to do is as we go through this passage, I'm going to extract from it five key words. It's going to be a little bit like, uh, what was it, Sesame Street or the electric company where the letter of the day was, well the letter of the day for us is the letter P. And there's five words that I extracted from this that are going to outline what the act of blessing really is all about. I guess you can call it five wires and I want you to keep that, that conduit imagery in your mind, us being conduits of God's blessing and what exactly that means. Okay, so here's the scene. Israel is experiencing an unprecedented time of power, prosperity, and peace under the rule of Solomon. It's as if the prayer of blessing that Aaron gave back in number six is coming to fruition. Listen, you know this. We use it at the close of our worship. Aaron said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's what's occurring right now. They have waited centuries for this. And the temple is now built and they're involved in this grand stadium style inauguration and dedication of the temple. A worship celebration like none ever seen before. Tens of thousands of sacrifices being made. See, God desires to dwell amongst his people and that's what's happening right here. 
And in the middle of this celebration, Solomon stands, the king himself, and he extends his hands to heaven. Now get this, as a conduit of blessing, he's going to pray a prayer of dedication. It's as if symbolically one hand is extended to the Lord because he begins by blessing the Lord and then he extends blessing to the people. He speaks into their life the blessing of God. And before he does this benediction, he prays what we call a sevenfold prayer of petition. Each one of them ends with the phrase, then hear from heaven, Lord, then hear from heaven. And then he does this benediction. And this is where we camp out for a while here. This is where we see the art of blessing. Let's pick it up right now. This is 1 Kings 8, verse 54. Now, As Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from the altar of the Lord where he had knelt with hands outstretched towards heaven. Apparently at some point he was standing and then he got on his knees. And now we see him standing up again. And it says he stood and he blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to the people of Israel according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine with which I have pleaded before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servants and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. So as I said, there's five words that arise out of the scripture that I think really frame the what and the why and the how of blessing. And if you have your sermon notes, you can fill these in with me and follow, follow along with me. Now remember, this is about blessing. We're wired up for it, to get it to give it. We can't live without this. First of all, when we pray a blessing over somebody, we become conduits, first of all, of God's continual presence. We see that in verse 57. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Remember, that's how we begin our Raise the Voice series. Lord, show your glory. Praying presence. When we pray for somebody, we are standing as a conduit, one hand to the Lord, one hand to that person that we're praying for, and we're asking for him to show up. You see, I mean, how do we ask God, who's omnipresent, to show up? See, the ancient Hebrew people were all about seeking the face of God. That's relational. You see, it's not just about God being here as he's out here in creation or wherever we are, as it says in Psalm 139. This is about God making his presence known in a very real and tangible way. He did it with the nation Israel. He showed up and he promises to do that when we call upon him on behalf of another. So when we pray a prayer, a blessing, we're asking God to make his presence known for that person. I mean, think about this before I go any further. I really think if I knew God was there, 
I could go through just about anything. Now that may be a little presumptuous, but I really believe that. Whatever pain, whatever trial, whatever uncertainty I'm facing, if I knew, I just knew God was present, that he was gonna show up and he was walking with me through that time, I think it would make all the difference in the world. Next we see that Solomon prayed for God's provision and power. God's provision and power. Let's look at this in verse 59. He says, let these words of mine with which I have pleaded before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires. You see, this is about God providing what we need to accomplish his purposes in our lives. It's more than just give us our daily bread. It's his favor looking upon us, his power breaking through and meeting us at our point of need. That God who makes a way, as the old song says, makes a way where there is no way, he hears our petitions and he provides for us as each day requires, giving us what we need to do what he's calling us to do. Pastor Rick Warren said it best. He said, where God guides, he provides. What he calls you to do, he equips you to do. You see, when we pray a prayer, a blessing over somebody, that's what we're doing. We're acting as a conduit of God's power and provision. We connect with the lightning bolt of heaven and we literally, I'm gonna use this word, imbue that person with God's presence and provision and power. That imbue means to permeate and to saturate that person. It's, it's almost as if it's an act of anointing or commissioning for that person. And this is what Solomon is doing. He's calling upon God to once again come and to provide and to give his people what they need for the day, for his glory, for the cause that he's called them to. Next, we see that Solomon prays for God's promise to be made known, to be fulfilled. He's done it already and he will do it again. In verse 56, he talks about that he has done everything according to all that he had promised. But then here's something very interesting that happens and it's implied and you see it in other blessings as well in scripture. Uh, it's called the if-then clause when it comes to blessing. You see, when God blesses a person, they can't stay the way they are. You can't go with God and in this path of blessing and just not make adjustments in your life. For the people of God, God made his will known, what he was gonna do, what he purposed to do. He gave them a promise and then he required them to make adjustments. And in this situation, it's the act of obedience. You know, we see it later on in 2 Chronicles when um, there's a time of awakening and God calls out to his people and he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land. That's a paraphrase, but in a sense, you see the if-then clause. We also see it in Deuteronomy 28. Listen to this. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, there's the if, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. There's the promise. I will do this if you do this. See, we as his children, we've, we've received his unconditional love, his justification. But as his children, then he sets this blessing before us, this promise, and he says, if you do this, I will bless you 
with this, we will always be his children. We will always be his people. He will never leave us or forsake us, but he gives us this blessing. And this is what Solomon is doing. He's reminding us people that God has accomplished all his promises and he will do it again if they keep his commandments, if they follow in faith and obedience. As the old song says, trust and obey and God will fulfill his promise in them and through them. Then last of all, Solomon sends his people out with this commissioning. We see it in verse 60. God's purpose, the prayer of blessing, imparting God's purpose to his people. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. You see, this act of benediction is not just for my benefit or the mutual benefit of those of us who gather in Jesus' name. It's for the world. We go out, we are sent out as God's people. It began that way in the Old Testament. In Exodus 19, the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. What's interesting is Peter says the same thing in his epistle. He says to those of us who are in Christ that you are a chosen race. You were chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Get that who we are, who we belong to. It's all meant to draw the nations and to proclaim the excellencies of God. He called us out so that he might draw us in and then sends us out in his name. That's powerful stuff. I love the imagery of what the Apostle Paul paints in 2 Corinthians 2. He says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. What do you smell like when you go out? Do you smell like Jesus? It says later on in that passage, to some we will be the smell of life and to others the smell of death. We are sent out as the fragrance of Christ. This was the prayer of Solomon for the nation of Israel and that is the prayer for us as well. This prayer of benediction is sending us out. God's presence is made known. He provides for us. He empowers us. He gives us his promise. He calls us to obedience to his word, to act and make adjustments with humility and in faith, to trust him and obey him. And then he sends us out in his name to do what? To proclaim to the nations that he is Lord and there is no other. Against this backdrop of paganism and idolatry around the nation of Israel, they stand and proclaim Yahweh as the one true God. This is the art of blessing. This is the supreme intercession of benediction that we are called to give as conduits of God's blessing. All right, look, at this point, you may really resonate with the illustration I give of being a conduit in this act of benediction, the art of blessing others in Jesus' name. You may have been inspired by the passage we've seen today, but you know, I, I would just suspect that you're probably going, now, how do I do this? Where do I put this all into practice? How do I become this conduit of God's blessing? Well, let me give you some, some practical advice. First of all, I would immediately begin to study the blessings of the Bible. 
and begin to study how God has blessed you and how you can be a blessing to others. Pray God's word over people. It's not, it's not a magic charm or incantation. You're literally speaking the word of God into that person's life. That is an act of intercession, of blessing that person. Second of all, you gotta stay connected. You gotta stay connected to the community of faith that we are, Emmanuel Faith Community. I mean, our very name speaks of staying connected as conduits of God's blessing. Christ among us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Christ through us, Christ among us. That is the whole essence of what true blessing is all about. And we experience that when we are in community. Stay plugged in, especially during these difficult times. We've got to stay connected to one another. And then if you really want God's blessing, if you're really looking for that, guess what? Go get it. I mean, that, that seems very obvious, but it's not, blessing is not something that we, we sit down in just a room and say, God, come to me, God. You know, we, we, let's, let's just admit it. Sometimes we're not only overcommitted, but we're pretty self-absorbed, at least I know I am. And many times I've wondered why I've not encountered God's blessing why I'm not receiving it, it's because blessing is something that we are supposed to pursue. We go look for where God is blessing, not wait for God to come and just bless us. So if you want it, go get it. Look for where God is blessing and join him in that work. And then if you want to experience the flow of God's blessing through you, you say, look, I pray for people, but I just don't really feel like I'm making a difference. I went through that too as well. As a matter of fact, there was a point in my ministry in life where I wanted to get out of ministry simply because I didn't feel like I was being very valuable to people. I didn't feel like I was a lover of people or I was so ill-equipped. I would get nervous when people would call and say, can I come sit with you? I just really need to know where God is leading me. I'm going through this crisis and I go, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to minister to these people? benediction, the act of blessing. If you want to experience the flow of God's blessing in your life, give it away. Learn to be that conduit of blessing. Get the flow going. You stay connected to the lightning bolt of heaven and you make yourself available to speak into other people's lives. It's not subtraction. You're not giving something that you'll never get back. The kingdom mathematics is not subtraction. It's multiplication. When you give it away, you're multiplying life when you become a conduit of God's blessing. And then last of all, so you're not overwhelmed. I summarize this, this motion of blessing as a word, a touch, and a glance. That's the motion of blessing that we enter into every day, the flow of blessing. You see, Jesus spoke to the people no one was talking to. Do you know people like that in your life? Go to the people no one is talking to because they're longing for a word from the Lord. See the people that no one sees. I mean, for Jesus, that was a tax collector in a sycamore tree. <laughs> you know, it's the people, it's, it doesn't always have to be going to the homeless or going to the down and out. We need to be doing that. But sometimes that CEO of the corporation can be the most alone, unseen person ever. You may need to go to that person and see them and say, God sees you and speak into their lives. Jesus touched the people no one wanted to touch. So there you have it. Who do you bless? Those that no one's seen those that no one is talking to, those that no one is touching. You know, let me, just, let me just do a little sidebar on that last part. We live in such 
vile times, with the act of touch, we can't even do it with the virus going on. And even those that we see on TV and media talking about the touch, it's always in the most twisted, perverted, predatorial ways. We can't even bless children the way Jesus did. We can't even embrace them because we live in a world that's so upside down and backwards. And it breaks my heart, but we are called to touch in Jesus' name, to touch with the innocent, pure, Christ-minded touch of blessing. I invite you to do that, to go and to participate with God as a conduit of his blessing.